Welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. On today's episode, we sit down with the ultra-passionate Dr. Evelyn Roy. She speaks from the heart and believes that mental health and physical health are intertwined. She believes in teaching her patients about metabolic syndrome, inflammation, chronic pain, and setting them up for success with a nutritional plan of abstinent foods. She has seen food act as medicine and how it works to eliminate the chronic physical symptoms that are associated with metabolic health problems, as well as how this way of eating creates freedom from the mental obsession of food by working to re-regulate our hunger hormones. We love Dr. Roy because she is passion on fire. She is a renegade in her field and follows the science. It's so refreshing to hear someone in the medical field admit that we don't have all the answers about obesity, that it's important for physicians to remain curious and keep learning. In our interview today, she shares some of the backlash she received for practicing this way in such a vulnerable manner. And we talk about time-restricted eating, diabetes reversal, fasting, and how it's not always true that you lose weight when you fast. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Dr. Vera Tarman, and I am co-host of Food Junkies podcast, along with Clarissa Kennedy. Today, we are thrilled to be interviewing Dr. Evelyn Roy, a low-carb keto bariatric physician who has made it her mission to educate and provide evidence-based nutritional care for her patients who suffer from obesity and type 2 diabetes. Dr. Roy is a board-certified obesity medicine clinician. She trained with Dr. Jason Fung and Dr. Georgia Edie, uh, both well-known pioneers in the field of bariatric medicine using a nutritional focus. She is author of Eat Fat to Lose Weight with the Keto and Low-Carb Diet, as well as another new book that has just come out, but it's in French. I can't pronounce the name. Do you want to? Yeah, actually, it's my sixth book that I'm publishing, the last one that you're mentioning, but only one, unfortunately, was translated into English. But the latest baby is uh, Le Grand Livre du Jeune. And it's a book about fasting. I guess we'll discuss fasting a bit later yes. on this podcast. Yeah. Yes. So just to finish the intro, Dr. Roy is a firm believer in that nutrition is as important as medication and surgery for the treatment of obesity and its consequences. In fact, so important, it begs the question, can we even avoid these standard traditional medical interventions and just focus on nutrition? But we'll let Dr. Roy speak to that. So hello, Dr. Roy and why don't you introduce yourself and then start with how did you get into this whole field, your personal story, your aha moment? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Evelyne Bourdieu-Arrois. I practice in Quebec, as you can hear from my accent. I'm a family doctor and medicine is my second career. I used to be a translator, English, French and Spanish, and went late into medicine and didn't quite fit in the crowd. Um, you know, I, I I think medicine nowadays is extremely focused on pills and surgeries, and we're losing sight of the root causes of most of our diseases nowadays. 
anyway, so um, medical school was hard. <laughs> and then I started practicing medicine, just family medicine, regular family medicine. And it was horrible to when I started practicing because I thought going into medicine that I would make a difference, that I would help my patients get healthy. And then I had to realize that I was not helping them get healthy. I was managing chronic illnesses with more pills and more pills and more pills. And it was a tremendous disappointment, but I didn't have time to be uh, hugely disappointed because I was already pregnant when I started practicing. And so after four months, I took a maternity leave with my second child. And during that time, he was and still is a horrible sleeper. So I wasn't sleeping. So I was reading a lot and I spent a lot of time on social media. And that's when I came across great physicians, Canadian physicians who were discussing on a Facebook group, low carb, ketogenic diets, fasting, intermittent fasting. And those were all words I had never heard before in my life. And to be honest with you, I was just interested because it sounded like I could lose weight while eating delicious food. And I'm like, oh, you know, I was about to sign up for Weight Watchers because I had heard that this works when you're breastfeeding. There's a special Weight Watchers for breastfeeding women. And I was kind of getting desperate because, you know, when in postpartum, like obviously, you know, most women have weight to lose, but as the baby ages and stuff, and as you breastfeed, normally most people lose weight and I wasn't losing weight, I was gaining weight. And I reached a point where I was at my highest weight that I had during my pregnancy and only my like pregnancy clothes were fitting me. And I just did not feel well at all in my body, but also in my mind, obviously, I think the body is a symptom, you know, of an underlying problem, obviously. So um, I thought, hey, you know, um, that sounds interesting and sounds weird, but interesting um, because, you know, um, low carb, as you know, and, and ketogenic and fasting, they go against everything we've ever learned about how to be healthy, how to lose weight and all that and how to feed yourself. So I read The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung, and it was like a revelation. It was my aha moment, my oh my God moment. And half of me was amazed at all of that insulin, the ghrelin, the leptin, how you store fat and how you burn fat and all that. And half of me was totally mad, very upset. How come I graduated in 2015? Yes. And I have never heard any of the stuff that was in that book. I was really mad. Actually, to be honest with you, part of my brain still spends 24-7 being mad about this whole thing, but, you know, <laughs> can't let it take over because then I produce cortisol and cortisol is not good for your metabolic health. But anyway, so that book was my revelation moment. And it all made sense. But sometimes, you know, things make sense in theory and they don't actually work out in real life. So I thought, what have I got to lose? I'm going to try this out anyway, see what happens. And so when my husband was away for uh, school for a two week trip in Argentina, I decided, well, no one's going to bug me about what I eat, what I do, what I don't do. You know, people with who have a special relationship with food, they don't like other people to know what they're up to, what they eat, what they don't eat, what they believe in, what they're trying this week or whatever. So I also tend to be secretive about what I do and don't, I don't do. So he was gone. So I just decided to give it a try. So I cut all like all refined starches and carbs. Like I obviously I kept like whole foods, like vegetables and nuts and dairies and all that. But I, I cut 
all the refined carbs and the starches. And I'm a bread lover in life. Like I could live on bread, you know, day in, day out, you know, bread saw me through med school, basically. <laughs> yeah. So it was a challenge, but um, it didn't take me long to see results. And my energy, my hunger, my mood, and my weight also, I have to say. And so that was sort of my second revelation moment. I'm like, okay, this makes sense from a physiological point of view. It actually is doable. It's enjoyable Mm -hmm. and it works. So I thought, well, I have to learn how to do this medicine the way he does it. Because now that I know this, I cannot continue to, when I go back to practicing medicine, to just pretend I don't know. You know, once you know, you cannot unknow. So I wrote to Jason Fong and I said, please let me come and observe what you do. Please teach me this medicine. And he um, he said, yes, come. So I, I went and I spent a week with him and Megan Ramos, his director. It was amazing. Like, good thing I was sitting on a chair because I would have fallen on my butt like multiple times a day. It was amazing to see patients who were getting better we are not trained for this and we are not used to this, but patients who were on 300 units of insulin, suddenly they didn't need insulin anymore. Who knew that was possible? You know, that is not what they teach us. They teach us that those diseases are chronic and progressive. Therefore, you can only help your patient and manage as, you know, problems occur, comorbidities occur, and as the disease progresses, well, you increase demand and that's how it's done, you know? Like the concept that this could all be reversible is unknown, was unknown to me. And here I was sitting in that office seeing dozens of patients per hour getting better, getting better. It was awesome. I'm like, this is medicine. And this is why I went to med school at the age of 27 years old. You know, this makes a difference. That's amazing. And so where does Georgia Edie fit into this? Georgia Edie. Oh, Georgia. Well, she she and I met at low-carb conferences, you know, yeah. in the United States and stuff. As you know, this stuff is sort of controversial. Not sort of. Yeah. It is controversial. <laughs> and so it's great to go to international conferences and, and meet uh, healthcare professionals that are like-minded and to learn about the science because the science is moving fast. And most healthcare professionals don't know that there's a lot of science to back this up. Whether we're talking about low carb or keto or fasting, there's a lot more science than most healthcare professionals believe. But then again, if you don't look for it, you know, you may not find it, you know, but that's a different issue. Anyway, so I met Georgia Ede, uh, who's a psychiatrist, American psychiatrist at one of those conferences. And I met her a few times actually, but she treats her psychiatry patients with the ketogenic diet, but the proper, not just the low carb, the proper ketogenic diet, not so much with fasting. And she has studied this extensively and she uh, created a, a training program for healthcare professionals. And so I uh, I took her uh, program because it's all intertwined, you know, he- the mental health, the physical health. The, Absolutely, the, yeah. Yes, and there are tricks and stuff. And she has a lot of clinical experience with mental health and the ketogenic diet. So I thought I would I would learn a lot from her and she's amazing. So if anyone is interested in taking her training, just look her up on the internet and contact her. She, uh, Everybody yeah. who's taken her uh, training with her loves uh, what she has to, to teach. It was awesome. So can, can I just move from there too? And then, Chrissy, I'll let you go after that. From there, you can treat uh, physical health and mental health with a nutritional plan. Yes. And we met because you got interested in the food addiction piece. How did you fall into that? 
When I came back to my clinic after visiting Jason Fong, I was changed forever. And I believe that I needed to create a metabolic clinic, sort of like he has. But um, he's um, a lot more focused on fasting. And I thought Quebec was not ready for a main focus on fasting. So I thought I would go for low carb. Um, which is a continuum, you know, low carb to ketogenic, whatever, and start more with that with my patients. So I created Clinic Reversa, which is a metabolic clinic, and we deal with reversal of metabolic diseases that are lifestyle related. So, you know, di- type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, uh, metabolic syndrome, obesity, overweight, high blood pressure, gout, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, chronic pain fibromyalgia, all related to the same, you know, issues. I think yes. the audience needs to hear that all these conditions can be treated nutritionally. Well, they all have the same roots and that, yes. that yeah, that, not to say that you change your diet and a miracle happens. You don't ever need drugs and you're completely cured. That's not how it works. But at the basis, at the root of it, if you don't address nutrition first, you're not going in the right directions and you will not get optimal results for what you can get currently with you know, your baggage, your genetics and all that. So I created this clinic. And so it's just a tiny part of my regular clinic. Like it's one Friday every two weeks. The rest of the time, I'm just a family doctor doing family medicine. But this day is my happy day because this is the day that I know I will see patients. Yes, I will see patients who will get better and are open to trying, you know, nutrition as a treatment. So I created this clinic. So we teach a lot in our clinic because I believe it's easy to give like a list of don't eat this, eat that. But that's no good. People need to understand how it works inside their bodies. What do carbs do inside your body? Lipids, what do they do? Proteins, what do they do? What is insulin? What does it do to your body? And do you want a lot of it a lot, you know, often? No, you know, so teaching patients so that they understand so that they can make better choice and not just focus on a list or a diet or whatever. And a lot of our patients had tremendous success, but some patients did not. Mm -hmm. And it took me and I, I was like, I don't understand what is going on with these patients. That's us. (laughs) Yes. And it took me a while to realize that it wasn't a lack of knowledge. And it wasn't because they weren't dedicated or because they didn't realize the gravity of their diseases. It wasn't that. So it took me a while to realize, not all, but most of the patients that are not succeeding with my standard metabolic clinic is because they have food addiction. And if that is not addressed, then the problems remain. Either they eat super well and super low carb and all that for a while, and then they fall off the wagon and you know, like they binge or whatever, or they go into volume and they eat keto, but they eat volumes like massive yeah. amounts and stuff. And so I thought, well, I know nothing about food addiction or any addiction, you know, when it comes to that. Like I work in a men's jail too. So I see addicted people all the time, but I never thought there were, you know, there's science, there's things to learn, there's things, you know, you don't treat an addicted person the same way that you treat, you know, someone was like harmful use or whatever, you know. So I thought I need I need training on this because I'm not helping a segment of my population of the patients. I'm not useful to them and, I'm, and they need help. And yeah. there's nothing, there's so little help out there for food addiction. As you know, it's not even recognized as a, an entity. So it's hard to get help. And there are a few psychologists that I know of, and I don't pretend that I know all of them in that field, but their approach is not always 
adequate for food addiction. Mm. So that's when, well, I read your book, Food Junkies, and it was also a revelation because everything is in there. You know, yeah, everybody has to read that book. And so I signed up for um, training to be a better doctor to help my patients who have food addiction. And so that's how we met. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. Thank yeah. you. That's a, that's a great illustration of your journey. And that leads us to where you are today. So Clarissa. Yeah. So could you speak to how do you manage? It sounds like you're a very busy doctor. How are you able to manage eating like a low carb keto, you know, sugar-free way? And does your family eat that way? And are you able to work with your clients in terms of setting them up for success when they go home and they have to deal with their families as well? It's a really good question because a lot of um, not a lot, but well, a significant proportion of our patients, they want to do this, they're determined, and then they they may have a spouse who's against it or who's decided he's not going to help or she's not going to help. And they keep on buying, you know, junk food and carbs and all that, which makes it really difficult for someone who has issues with food addiction or eating disorders and all that, you know. So sabotaging partners, yes, we're used to seeing that and it's really unfortunate. So we try to support these patients. And the thing is, when it comes to changing lifestyle habits, such as nutrition, nutrition is, is huge. Nutrition is what your mom cooked you when you were a child. What's at parties and traditional events and family gatherings. You know, food is cultural. Food is love. Food is social. Food is so much. It's not as easy as saying, okay, from now on, every night after supper, I'm going to go walk 15 minutes. You know, there's... Yeah. So uh, we try to work with our patients, focusing on that, focusing on where are the difficulties when it comes to your spouse, your family, your colleagues, little tricks and stuff that we discuss it. But we currently are not set up to uh, really uh, accompany uh, our patients with, you know, with regards to food addiction and all that. And I think whenever you want to change a lifestyle habit, you need support. But in the longitudinal way like you cannot just consult a professional once or twice you're gonna fall down you're gonna have issues you're gonna have stressful events you need to be able to have follow-ups at a regular basis you know you cannot do this alone it's impossible to do this alone you were saying actually earlier and I, I remember in an email that like not everybody takes the 12 steps so there needs to be something that can provide this longitudinal support so you're thinking of another program or something to provide that yeah we want to create a program in french because in french there's really 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 not much out there in the whole world um we have uh, overeaters anonymous but um as we've discussed, you and I, Vera, it doesn't resonate with everybody, you know, the vocabulary and all that. And we also want to incorporate our vision, which is that you have to cut all the triggers. And a lot of them are refined carbs, you know, not just refined yeah. carbs. So keto or low carb can be compatible with like an abstinent meal plan or a trigger-free meal plan. And I think that is not really discussed or offered with Overeaters Anonymous, you know, so we want to sort of combine our counseling on what foods to eat and why with support about food addiction, with support with metabolism and comorbidities, because these people consult us because they want us to get to help them reverse their comorbidities because unhealthy relationship with food can give an unhealthy body. And that needs to be addressed as well. 
because there is nothing out there, we thought, well, we need to create something because there's a tremendous need for it. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I really hope that you're successful. And when you do make it happen, we will happily promote it for you. If you could plant a seed for anyone who may not be aware yet that food addiction is at the root of their suffering, what would you say to that person? I say to all of them, and I already say this, go get yourself food junkies. And in French, it's called Accro à la bouffe. Go get yourself that book and read it. And then I say to my regular patients, you know, I don't know how you work, Vera, but in Quebec, it's a lot about seeing a lot of patients, which I, I don't adhere to, but still time is limited. So I wish I could talk for an hour with each patient about food addiction, but the reality is it's, it's not possible. So I tell them, go read that book. If it speaks to you, if this book is about your life, book an appointment and we're going to discuss that and only that, you know? So that's how I plant my seeds. Go read. Hmm. Nice. I wanted to ask you now, I led at the beginning, do you think it's possible to, if the person is open to a nutritional approach, that we could actually avoid bariatric surgery and some of these medications? Like we've seen people get off of insulin. Well, they can even get off of their oral medication as well. Do you think that that's a hope that we can give patients if they're willing to follow a nutritional plan? When patients are willing to follow a nutritional plan and it's a proper plan, the the ones you provide and the ones I provide, it's the vast majority of our patients who get rid of their medication. That not all medication, but the medication for diabetes, almost always. Insulin, always. Oral medication, almost always. Sometimes patients are left with a small dose of metformin, for instance. Mm-hmm. But uh, more than that, it's really rare. It happens, but it's rare. Medication for hypertension, also usually we can get rid of one, two, or three drugs for hypertension, gout, same thing, pain, pain. You know, if you live with fibromyalgia and you have 10 out of 10 pain every single day of your life, you have no quality of life, you know? And if this is the case of some of your listeners right now, it is worth it to try a proper nutritional plan. You would be amazed at how it could give back quality of life. You know, we've seen, not to say it's going to work hundred percent of the times, but We've seen way more patients who had tremendous improvements with their chronic pain than the opposite, you know, because chronic pain is also inflammation and it's also bad nutrients, uh, toxins and and anti-nutrients that are making inflammation or leaky gut syndrome and all all that. And some people manifest it with fibromyalgia or chronic pain and all that. Even people with osteoarthritis in the knees, you know, there's no cartilage anymore eating low carb or abstinent food is not going to give you back the cartilage, but it changes something in the pain signal and the inflammation that makes the pain less and more bearable. We've had amazing successes with pain. And so it's just food. I say to my patient, it's just food. If you don't like it or it's not working for you, you can stop. You can go back to your old ways. But you've had... Yes, you've had these issues for a long time. If you want a different result, you have to try something different at some point, you know. But it's definitely possible to get rid of a lot of medication related to chronic lifestyle-related diseases. Absolutely. Uh, What I think is really interesting, Evelyn, that you say is um, I've heard that the idea about we can manage diabetes much better, but you're the first person who has really focused on how it can change chronic pain and fibromyalgia. That's a really common issue for people. And uh, 
So you're saying if it's a 10 out of 10, we might be able to get that person to maybe a six or a five out of 10. That's the best we can do with opiates, like with medications. We don't make pain go away there either. We just try to make it more manageable. So exactly. So you also said you were starting to say earlier on about the idea of the dietitians, like the standard medical model. What's been your relationship with that? Since you're not able to undo this knowledge, how are you working in that world that still uses the old knowledge? (laughs) (laughs) It's quite difficult. Um, It's quite difficult to work with, you know, big organizations or healthcare professionals who were trained in a certain way. It's difficult. And it's unfortunate because I think there are different ways of doing things in life. And as a healthcare professional, I think your role is to keep an open mind and a scientific curiosity. We don't know everything. Uh-huh. We certainly haven't learned everything in, in med school or in nutrition school or in nursing school, whatever, you know, and science evolves and knowledge evolves and clinical experience teaches us a lot too. So I think it, we have to remain humble and keep an open mind and be curious about the evolution of science when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to metabolism and all that. And so it pains me a lot when. I have to work with or deal with healthcare professionals who don't want to even contemplate that this is an option and that this could bring amazing results and, and that this is scientific, it's physiological, it's healthy, yeah. it's, like, it's okay. Like, like for example, you have a client and they, they're newly diabetic and you want to send them to the endocrinologist. And we know that the endocrinologist is going to send them to the diabetic clinic. And we know yes. what the diabetic clinic nurse is going to say. They're going to say, go to the dietitian," and we know what they're going to say. So what do you yes. do? To be honest with you, I try uh-huh. not to refer if uh-huh. possible. I, I do my own teaching if they are open to nutrition. Yes. So like I tell them, go read the obesity code, go read the diabetes code. And if that speaks to you and this is the approach you want to take, book an appointment with me and we're going to discuss only that. And some patients, they don't want to have a nutritional approach. They're like, no, 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 no. Just give me your pills. Well, those people I refer, you know, I send yes. them to the diabetes education center, but the ones that say to me, there's got to be a better way, or I'm tired of all these pills and taking insulin and gaining weight and my food is out of control. Help me. And I say, we can do this together. If you want, you don't have to have type two diabetes. We can reverse it. Uh-huh. Um, and if they say, you know, tell me how high to jump and I'll just jump, you know, then I teach them myself. Okay. I think you are probably considered a renegade in your approach. So you were saying something about whatever you're willing to say about the standard approach, like Obesity Canada or the uh, American Board of Obesity Medicine, all of which are very standard approaches. Yes. To be honest, I'm really mad at them. I'm really mad at them that they are the organizations that are the specialist viewed as the specialist in obesity And they don't contemplate the existence. They don't recognize the existence of low-carb, keto, fasting, food addiction. So I don't follow them. I did my certification and I'm mad at them. I don't follow their standards or their protocols and all that as much as I can with the patients who don't want to be in that standard way, you know, like I... If I can avoid a bariatric surgery, I will by all means, because as you probably have to... I have loads of them that had the surgery five years ago, 10 years ago, and now they're back to their yes. point of origin and they're they're worse off because now they don't absorb nutrients the same way and they have osteoporosis. They're 50 years old with 
severe osteoporosis and whatever else. Mm -hmm. So I disagree that the focus is on drugs and surgeries. And I'm, I'm really mad that they don't focus more on like a wide variety of possibilities when it comes to nutrition. Anyway, so I, I went to one Obesity Canada conference and I was really upset the whole time. And I, until they, they open up their minds, I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, just going to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. If you can talk a little bit more about the low carb Canadian women's Facebook, yeah. because actually Gary Tobes brought it up. Like it's, it, we're becoming yeah. notorious in the world, but I mean, uh, this group as being quite unusual and forward thinking. So elaborate a little bit about that, please. Yeah, it's a Facebook group for female doctors in Canada who are interested in low-carb, keto, and intermittent fasting for themselves or for their patients. So basically women, uh, physicians who are open-minded about it, and some do it, and some are just there to learn and stuff, which is fine. And we're 4,000 members. 4,000? Yeah, it's huge. (laughs) <laughs> just Canadian and just females too yeah. for for historical reasons and, and stuff but um, yeah I think it, it's amazing and it was my pillar when I started doing this medicine because it's other than fun there wasn't so many people who were so many doctors or healthcare professionals who were doing low-carb intermittent fasting diabetes reversal back in the days like in 2016 when I started it all and it felt pretty lonely, but this group was amazing. And we discuss, we used to discuss a lot more, but now it's, it's less new. We used to discuss science and new articles and new books and, yeah. and what we did with our patients and atypical results with patients. So great support because it, it's hard to do this on your island by yourself, you know, just because it's so controversial. But you're still doing wonderful webinars. Like like I've sat in on a few of those and it's like, wow, this like it's top-notch science. This isn't like the latest internet fad. This is like peer-reviewed information made applicable yes. in this perspective. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can you speak to whether you've received some pushback from yeah. the traditional approaches or the traditional organizations for being this controversial and out loud about your beliefs in nutrition as medicine? Well, yes, I had quite a few complaints filed to the College of of Quebec Doctors. I had to get a lawyer and I had, yeah, I had to prepare my case, which was extremely stressful. And then I had to um, appear in front of a panel and then with my lawyer and defend my case. It was very, very, very difficult. It was the Order of Nutritionists of Quebec and the Association of Nutritionists of Quebec who filed the complaints. And um, it was uh, at the beginning of my clinic, like, you know, the first few months after I had started. And I knew in my heart that I was doing good medicine. And my biggest fear was that they would say to me, doctor, you can keep your license, but you can never do this medicine ever again. And I believe so much in Oh my God, it's been years and it's still emotional for me. But I I was prepared to say that if I can never do this medicine again, then I do not want to be a doctor anymore. Take my license. This is how strong I believe in what I do with nutrition, with proper lifestyle habits and and coaching and all that. I cannot just do regular pill and surgery medicine, you know, because to me, this is just keeping chronic diseases, you know, alive sort of when I know there's a better way for people who want this better way. So yeah, pushback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. But I I won my case and I'm allowed to continue to do this medicine. 
Wow. I did not know that story. And you want to say kudos to you, how brave you are. That's like a true pioneering experience. That's what happens to people when they step out. Yes. Wow. Why? But I'm blown away. I know but, I'm passion. You yeah. can see your passion when you're speaking. And yeah. I feel emotional too, because I can just imagine with knowing what you know and being told you can't do that anymore, that would be devastating to you. And, you know, the threat to the license, like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of effort put into doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no other way in my heart. There was no other way, you know, uh-huh. so you have to do what you have to do, but I'm glad this is behind me now. And our clinic is going super well. We have patients, uh, cohorts of about 16 patients every two weeks, and we're already fully booked for June, you know, so like a few months ahead. Um, Just, why don't you do more of this? Why don't you make it a whole day or one day a week or something like that? Is that a dream of yours at some point? Well, my dream is to do the medicine that makes my heart sing full time, definitely, with patients who choose this medicine for sure. But I'm also a family doctor with a large caseload of patients that um, they're tied to my name now. They're attached to me. However, um, I'm uh, leaving the country pretty soon. And so uh, I will not have patients anymore. So I will have uh, quite a few years to work on my ideal clinic and my ideal medicine. I want to do this full time if there's demand for it. And probably I could do it in English too, now that we can do telemedicine since the pandemic. You know, before that, we can do that. It wasn't legal to do telemedicine, right? Now it is. Because, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but Dr. Jason Fung closed this clinic in Toronto. So he doesn't do metabolic medicine anymore. No, I did not know that. Are you willing to say where you're going? (laughs) Yes, we're moving to Shanghai. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's a big change. It's for my husband's work. He got a huge promotion and we're super excited. I have two young children who are in elementary school and kindergarten. So it's a good time to go on a family adventure. But it's also amazing because for the first time in my life, I don't have the financial obligation to work. So I can just dedicate myself to building projects and programs and writing more books and doing conference online webinars and all that. So I'm thrilled like it's beyond my wildest dreams to be able to just work on what makes me feel passionate full-time yeah yeah Yeah. you are an amazing person oh my god yeah Yeah. (laughs) amazing story okay so inspiring yes so we'll get back to your metabolic clinic for because I know the listeners are so excited to hear about So in a typical day I'm sure you also see individuals with eating disorders I think I've heard you mention something about time-restricted eating being Mm -hmm. a really amazing tool for that. Can you speak to that a bit? Well, I would like to say that I don't know that it's a really amazing tool for all people with eating disorder or food addiction or whatever. It can be a tool done the right way with the right patients. But in certain cases, we've had Impressive successes with people who say they have special relationship with food, could be binge eating or could be um, hyperphagia or food addiction. But, you know, the short fasting of when you skip breakfast, you know, we've always heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but breakfast doesn't have to be morning. You know, it's just the meal that breaks your fast. And from a metabolic point of view, it's good for your body to extend the fast, the natural fast that occurs while you're sleeping. And so we teach our patients that if they stop eating at, say, 7 p.m., 
do not eat during the evening, which is really hard for a lot of people. That's when, you know, the troublesome period. But do not eat during the whole evening, you're fasting. The whole night you're sleeping, you're fasting. And if you wake up in the morning and just have like a cup of coffee or something like that, and you don't eat until noon, your window of fasting is increasing. And that is good from a hormonal point of view, metabolic point of view, to decrease your insulin to decrease your insulin resistance, and that has beneficial impacts on your health. So we teach patients to do that. And that combined with not eating you know, refined carbs and all that, quite a few patients have found that it has helped them regulate their appetites better. Some patients with food addiction or eating disorders do well with 24-hour fasting, which is supper to supper. So you eat supper with your family, and then you don't eat until supper. From a metabolic point of view, it can be really great, for sure, undeniable. So if it works metabolically and it works psychologically, then that's fine. But if that triggers like all kinds of, you know, compensation afterwards or Otherwise if it triggers, yes, if it triggers all kinds of no good behaviors with food afterwards or thoughts or obsession or whatever, then that's not for you for now. And we tell them not to fast. But for some people, they said, like, in our book that we published, like Ralif Dujan, we had a, a one person uh, write her testimonial, and she said that she got control over her appetite thanks to fasting, combined with low-carb, obviously. And so because we have every now and then patients who do well with fasting, I have to admit that it can be an option for certain patients. But I wouldn't go as far as saying like, you know, oh, it's amazing. They all need to do it. Uh, No, it's not amazing at all for some patients. And for some patients, they need to stick with three meals a day and they need to work more on the composition of the diet and not work on the fasting part. However, skipping breakfast is usually fine. Usually skipping breakfast doesn't trigger, for most of our patients, doesn't trigger compensation behaviors or obsessive thoughts and stuff. So can I just ask, like, if you were starting with somebody brand new and they're just coming in to see you, would you try to get regulated on low carb first and comfortable with it? You know, pretty stable, we might say, for a few months before transitioning them to those kind of more time restricted or fasting behaviors? Yes, yes. Our approach is to work first on on getting low carb or ketogenic, depends what they want, the patients and how sick they are. Get the food right, get the diet right. And once it's like second nature, it's easy, you know what to cook and you like it, you're getting results. Then we can move on to something else, which is the same reason why we have a kinesiologist on our team because it's a multidisciplinary uh, team that we have. Um, The kinesiologist's job is to help patients move more anyway walking, jogging, jumping, uh, lifting weights, uh, Zumba, it doesn't matter. Just something you enjoy that is a little more than what you currently do. And if you currently do nothing, then we'll take you, you know, one step just to make it a habit. And they don't meet with the kinesiologist until halfway through the program, because we think first, the very basic, like, let's focus on food and get it right. And also when they focus on food and they get it right and they like what they eat, and they're satiated, something amazing usually happens, which is patients um, regain the belief that they can actually control their health and that they can actually make changes and improve their lives and their health. Like they regain their confidence in themselves and it changes the way they think and they act. And once they have this belief that 
they can take control of their health and their lives, then they're highly, usually highly motivated to say, okay, what else could I do to improve my my life or my lifestyle and my habits and stuff? And also I have to say that if you eat a high fat diet, usually at some point, for some reason, some meal, you kind of overdo it with fat spontaneously, and then you're not hungry for the following meal. And so we teach them, if you're not hungry for the following meal, try skipping it and see what happens. Uh And so sometimes that's how they get into fasting and that's how they try it. But I remember when I trained with Dr. Jason Fung, he's big on fasting, obviously. So I was observing in his office and then some guy walked in and he said, oh my God, Dr. Fung, I have been on your waiting list for 18 months. And Dr. Fung said, okay, you're going to start with a seven day fast. I'll see you in seven days. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) a seven day fast, like that's how you start. I'm like, wow. So yeah, we don't start with fasting. (laughs) It's a different approach, you know? Absolutely. Can you tell us about your new book? Yeah, it's uh, Le Gravier du Jeune, and uh, I co-wrote it with my colleague, Sophie Rollard, who's a neuroscientist. She's also the clinical director of Clinique Reversa, our metabolic clinic. And uh, she's a scientist, so she reads scientific articles for fun. She loves to dissect them and understand um, into science. That's her thing. And so we like Jason Fung's um, Complete Guide to Fasting, but it was written in 2016 and a lot of science has emerged since then. Actually, it was written the year 2016 that the Nobel Prize for Medicine was given to a Japanese biologist who uncovered the mechanisms of autophagy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, let's not get into autophagy, but basically how fasting is beneficial to cleaning up the junk inside accumulated. Well, mm-hmm. so the Nobel Prize was given in the year 2016. So there's been a lot of science since then. So we thought maybe an update was sort of necessary. So we wrote this book about what does the science currently say about fasting? and from a practical point of view, what does the clinical medicine say about fasting? And from a practical point of view, how can you do fasting? How do you pick which type of fast and what aids you're going to, do you take broth? Do you take coffee? How long do you fast? What do you do? Do you take salt? Blah, blah. So like all the practical aspects of fasting. And, and, and would it be fair to say, just, just for people listening, that they should read a book like yours or speak with somebody like you rather than just say, I want to lose weight, I'm going to fast? Absolutely. First of all. Second of all, we say to our patients, do not fast for pure weight loss. If you're fasting for pure weight loss, this is not the right approach. We don't like to focus in our clinic in general, and and especially with fasting, our focus is not losing weight, getting skinny. No, the focus is on improving your metabolic health. And if you improve your metabolic health from the inside, eating the proper food and doing what's good for you, then if you have extra weight, then that extra weight will slowly go away. But that shouldn't be your main focus because if it's your main focus, you may be disappointed. Some yes. people don't lose weight by fasting or by doing low carb weight. keto. Yeah. You can. We've had patients who have gained weight. Absolutely. And so if that's your main focus and your whole happiness is based on that and your whole approach to this is based on just achieving a certain number on the scale, then yeah. our program is not for you. We don't take those patients. Good. I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We have one of our coaches. He can fast for seven days and he does not lose a pound. He loses weight while he's 
you know, water and stuff, but he regains it all and his weight has been stable for years. So it's not true that fasting will make you lose weight. It's not true. Uh-huh. Thank you. You're such an enthusiastic speaker about this topic. We have <laughs> rumors that you might be starting a podcast. Is there any truth to this? Yes, we're in the process of getting trained to do to do this because oh. there is nothing in French. It's so terrible. In oh. people who speak and understand English are really lucky. They get tons of podcasts, tons of books, tons of conferences, webinar programs, food addiction programs in French. There's like nothing. It's a huge need for it. And we think we strongly believe education, discussing, and obviously you do, or else you wouldn't do a podcast because I know it takes a lot of time. (laughs) I know for sure. So education, talking about those topics and, and giving people different approaches to try and there's no one size fits all when it comes to food, when it comes to health, when it comes to food addiction or metabolic diseases. But it's important to discuss other options out there and to teach people. Good. So that's the goal of the podcast. I think it's just going to cost us tons of money. And the goal is never to make money. Actually, Vera, you're probably the same way. Nobody makes money with books in Canada no. in particular, and in particular in Quebec and France. Like, you know, a bestseller in Quebec is 3,500 copies. Okay. That's a bestseller. That's how small the market is. You make what? A buck, a buck 50, $2 per book that you sell. There's nothing to retire on. But if you consider how much time off clinic it took to write that book, financially it's not worth it, but that's not the goal. Yes. It's like the fact that you can reach so many people and help yes. so many people, like even that we're only short way in and we've already have over 10,000 downloads. It's like, these are all people. There's no other way we would have reached them. So I yes. think it would be an, so amazing for the French speaking listeners out there. Yes. So how can our listeners find you? Well, if they speak French and they want to <laughs> come to our clinic because we're not set up for English. We thought there's so much English out there that there's no need to provide a service in English, you know, so uh, we haven't, but we might since Dr. Fong closes Metabolic Clinic. So if if they want to be treated, it's a, we have a six-month program that is called Clinic Reversa, and you can just Google Clinic Reversa, like Reversa, like the cream, if you want, you know, the anti-wrinkle cream. Yeah. We have the same thing. Yeah, you can, you can Google us. If you want to find out when our food addiction programs will come on, or if you need coaching, if you need Uh, to just speak with someone for half an hour about how you can go low carb or uh, remove all refined carbs from your food and still enjoy eating your food and all that, we offer coaching, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. Um, We also have coaching for people who want to move more and they're like maybe low carb or keto and they're like, oh, how am I going to do sports if I don't eat carbs? which is a big myth, but so we offer, um, you know, coaching and kinesiology as well. So people can find us on keto-solutions.com and our, most of our coaches are bilingual, an accent like mine, but you know, whatever, (laughs) you could probably still understand me despite the accent, but yeah, most of our coaches are bilingual. So if people want that, come and find us. We have a big team of coaches, kinesiologists. Uh, we have a psychotherapist. We have a pharmacist on our team. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have we have a nutritionist as well on our team. Um, so, yeah. So we do have a signature question I'd love to ask you. And it is, if you could tell a younger version of yourself something about food addiction or food recovery, what would it be? 
Uh, definitely, I would tell myself, quit refined carbs and sugar already. Do it sooner. Do it now. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a journey eh? for people with food addiction, eating disorder. Like, I don't know. You think you're alone with those problems in life. You think you're alone with special relationship with food and obsessive thoughts about food and your weight and all that. You're so not alone. You're not right. alone. So many of us out there. So you can overcome this, not cure it, but you can gain happiness and health and mental health and physical health. You can reach out. Oh, I love that answer. Thank you so much Dr. Yeah. for being here. This has been just so heartwarming and so liberating to hear someone speak so passionately about it and so enthusiastically and just loud and proud about being controversial. <laughs> Which isn't controversial, right? We know it's like good medicine, like you said. Yes. And I also want to say thank you so much, Dr. Roy, for sharing your story and your enthusiasm. You're one of these Canadian low-carb physicians that are making our map, our place in the universe. Your whole nutritional approach to metabolic disease is truly a pioneering approach. Thank you for being one of the first. And wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This is yes. this has been fun. Yeah, <laughs> great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies: Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group. I'm sweet enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way, you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.